You're listening to Work Tape, episode 30. your host, Isaac Grover. With me is a new co-host we've been wanting for a while. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, my name is Garrison Dinsmore and Isaac, we've known each other for 10 years now. Yeah, for quite some time, right? You know, 2012, back in college. Yeah, good times. Yeah, dude. So you're the guy who introduced me to Queens of the Stone Age. Right. Yeah. Because we connected through Foo Fighters. <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, it's like whenever someone is like, I love Foo Fighters, it's like, all right, we're going to be friends. And uh, yeah, and so I just really got into Dave Grohl and just anything he did. And so when I found out that he drummed for Queens of the Stone Age on Songs for the Deaf, I listened to that record over and over and uh, became a Queens fan from that. Yeah, and you like a lot of the stoner rock metal? Yeah, um, like Mastodon. A lot of uh, mainly Mastodon because I haven't found anyone else that hits quite that like vibe. I know there is a genre of like stoner metal. Um, well, I guess Caius, you know, the predecessor to Queens of the Stone Age is kind of they're not as heavy as Mastodon, but they're definitely like stoner metal. And I haven't gotten super heavy into them, but what I have heard, I like. Um, yeah, I know I'm really basic, but I still love Motherload and Blood and Thunder. Like. I listen. Okay, so I listen to other tracks by Mastodon, but I really like those two. Yeah, Blood and Thunder is a classic, and then Motherload is that from one of their later records? Yeah, it's that really colorful Rick and Morty looking type artwork. I can't remember what it was. Oh, is it Once More Around the Sun? It was from 2014. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, Once More Around the Sun. Yeah, I love that one with the drummer singing. What's his? I can't remember his name. Oh, oh, uh, Bron Daler, I think. Yeah, I think he leads in that song. Yeah, he's incredible. He actually is like on some of the albums, he basically is the lead vocalist. He's incredibly impressive. Like he rips out these incredible drum riffs and, you know, and fills while just singing melodically the whole time. It's amazing. I think Motherload is the best example of that. I mean, you probably have more examples because you're more of a Mastodon person, but yeah. I'm somewhat familiar with them. But um, they're hits. I mean, you know, with a band like that, they're hit singles, which I don't know if you can call it a hit, but they're well-known tracks. They're really good because they're not like some pop act where all their songs sound the same, but their music is rather interesting and kind of thought-provoking. And so their hit songs are really good. Yeah. Which is why I feel like I can brag about Blood and Thunder being one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. Like, seriously, it's such a good song. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you think that way. And yeah, no, I love them. And honestly, anything after The Hunter, I'm not super familiar with just because they just took a different direction that I didn't enjoy as much. But Was that the one with the deer antler on it? Yeah, yeah. The crazy deer head sculpture. That was their fifth record. That was basically their Black Album. Um, if you're talking about like Metallica. Metallica. So like, yep. yeah. <laughs> so, their first, so their first four albums just like Metallica, were like very heavy and like you could fit them in their genre. Right. And then their fifth album was Crossover. And it was like, you know, like the Black Album. It was like uh, very, there was a lot of pop influence, but there was still a lot of heaviness there. And then, you know, 
I think that Mastodon held up better after their fifth album than Metallica did, but but not not to the point that you felt like it mattered. <laughs> yeah, like I still have never listened all the way through to Load and Reload because I just the tracks I've heard from them I just don't like at all. Like Metallica just went took a, a hard left into like country basically, and I'm just not a country guy. Not even classic country. Oh, I love like Johnny Cash when it was and good, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But any <laughs> any country from the last like 30, 40 years is like, no. What What's that? I don't even think that is country. <laughs> right. I just don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> no, we don't talk about them. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. But no, like Mastodon. So like uh, Once More Around the Sun, um, I just listened to it once and I was like, all right, that's cool. And okay. it just didn't hook me. I don't know why. And then Emperor of Sand, I think was after that. And again, same thing. I just listened to it once. I'm like, all right. Um, and then they have a new one, and I can't even remember what it's called. I feel like a horrible fan, but they're incredibly talented. I think they're um, one of the more talented uh, hard rock acts out there. Dude, four albums, though, is a really solid bragging point, if you ask me. I think it's really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Considering a lot of bands burn out after one or two really good albums. Mm-hmm. So four is pretty good. No, you're right. They are in kind of the upper echelon of bands where they have most of their albums are. And I think, you know, all of their albums are good. Just some of them weren't for me. But like, yeah, to just have a fan base that considers at least four or five of their records as like classic is pretty rare. And a lot of my favorite bands, I think uh, Muse, I think they're probably like maybe my fifth favorite band or something like that. Okay, so top five easily. Yeah. And they, I don't think they've put out a single bad record, in my opinion. Okay, so even their Drones era or their Second Law? Yeah, um, I actually really like Drones and Second Law. And I didn't think I would, but when I finally got into them, I'm like, this is actually really good. Okay, okay. I mean, I won't lie. It wasn't really my thing, but they weren't. They didn't sound bad during that time. I think Muse are a band that have just set the bar so high that... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of hard not to judge them if anything even remotely seems subpar to that. Yeah. And I think once I opened myself to the idea of like, okay, I shouldn't be expecting like another uh, supermassive black hole or another like showbiz. Or symmetry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like um, even simulation theory, I liked. I didn't dislike it. Hmm. Okay. Have you heard the latest single, the one that was released last year? Um, it's pretty good. It sounds like go a figure. I feel like what Muse did was they established the sound. And again, you know, Muse, like any other band, have taken heavily influence from another band. But okay, uh, Royal Blood for sure took a lot of Muse influence. But then I almost felt like Muse went back and parodied Royal Blood a little bit. Okay, interesting. I think sometimes that happens with bands because, like, you know, they'll take from a band, but then that band that they took from will now take from them. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't listen to a lot of Royal Blood. I obviously, I heard what was on the radio at the time and uh, I liked it a lot. Um, I feel like they were kind of like a mix of Muse and White Stripes. Is that wrong? Nope. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. What, that's what I hear anyway. Yeah. I mm-hmm. totally agree that very, it was like very simplified rock, but it was very hard and heavy. So um, I'm very much a fan. Now, of course, these bands become you know, if we're honest, they become overrated. They become overhyped. But while Royal Blood aren't an exception of being overhyped, they definitely were. I really like that 
quote unquote royal blood sound. Yeah. I thought it was a really good evolution in hard rock because, oh, and they took from Queens of the Stone Age. So those are the the three bands that we just mentioned collectively. Yeah, that's what made me think about Royal Blood Sound being. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, yeah, they're kind of the offspring of that collection. And then um, what else? Oh, and Arctic Monkeys, I feel like, is kind of in that uh, group, although they're much older than Royal Blood. And I remember that. You liked AM a lot. Yeah. And now they've kind of, they're like related to Queens of the Stone Age now, officially through their drummer, who like became a Queens of the Stone Age guy. Oh, okay. See, so that I wasn't in on the loop on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the drummer of Arctic Monkeys became the drummer for Queens of the Stone Age back in 2013. What? During Like Clockwork? Yeah. So halfway through Like Clockwork, he took over. So Dave guested on half the tracks. He became like a halfway member again just for that album. And then the other half is, can't remember his name, but the Arctic Monkeys guy and so yeah, it's, wow, it's been almost a decade now since he joined. I know, it's crazy how quickly time goes by. Rock has gone through so much since the aughts. It's crazy. In fact, mm-hmm. I think it's like any other decade where the youth try to rebel against the older and they're trying to do something completely different from what their parents listened to or what their parents mm-hmm. played. So it makes a lot of sense that rock is not what we expected it to be. But it is weird though, I'm not going to lie. It is kind of a surreal moment. It's like, wow, I can't. I would have never guessed what it was going to turn into. Yeah, and I feel like pop has kind of retaken over rock as like the big thing. I mean, pop has always been huge, but like, I feel like in the aughts, we still had a lot of rock being really popular. Um, And then now it's like just pop, like, and the only major rock bands are bands that started like in the nineties that are still going like Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age, Jack White. and, and like some of their offspring that started in the aughts. I don't know. What's your take on that? Uh, you mean more so what rock has become? Yeah. Like, are there any like rock bands that started in like 2015 and later that are like really big and really good right now? Wow. You know, what is really shameful is I can't really think, okay, well, maybe, but I don't think before 2015. Now, there are two bands that come to mind. One of them is Lily, one with three eyes, but they're not really big. Um, <laughs> so hopefully they can get some attention since we shouted them out. Hopefully we can get enough listeners that can boost these guys. Um, yeah. But Lily is really good. They remind me a lot of kind of like Foles. Okay. Which, dude, since we're talking about Foles, and I'm, you know, that's on me, but I have no shame in this. Foles, I think, is one of the greatest or one of the most interesting rock bands of the 2010s. Okay. They are an instant classic. Now, they aren't necessarily an album band to me, even though um, Total Life Forever from 2010, their sophomore release, really good record. It sounds like Talking Heads. It sounds like a lot of what was going on during that time, the Tudor Cinema Club sound. Mm-hmm. Really cool alternative rock. But I would say that Foles have never really been that much for me as really as like an album artist. They kind of just have really good songs. Okay. But I still think they're an amazing band. Um. But yeah, I mentioned Lily. I think Lily is a really cool up-and-coming band. Maybe they're bigger now. I haven't really checked. But Cleopatric, have you listened to them? No. So Cleopatric, they kind of do a little bit of that. I don't know how to put it. Have you listened to Dinosaur Pileup? No. 
Okay, it's okay. So these are like the really weird, like indie alternative stoner metal bands. Oh, I showed you uh, Pulled Apart by Horses, right? Like forever ago. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So early Pulled Apart, uh, sorry, early PA, wait, Pulled Apart by Horses. So early PABH, in my opinion, it was the rock that I felt should have gotten more airtime. It should have been more popular. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they weren't really going to get big with that sound. They become a little bit more mainstream in their sound. Mm -hmm. And I think they're a lot more watered down and kind of boring. No offense. I think they're really cool, though. But Cleopatra kind of pulled from a lot of those noisy hard rock bands where they're not necessarily metal, but there's a lot of stoner element to them. Mm -hmm. And then Cleopatra also adds in a little bit of the triplet style rapping. Okay. That dinosaur pileup kind of incorporated in one of their songs. I forgot. Oh, it's a Backfoot. So that's the track by Dinosaur Polyp that I was referring to. Okay. To be honest, I haven't really been keeping up much with the rock scene like I used to, but I'm going to start doing that again. In fact, there's another band called New Language. Have you listened to them? No. Okay. So to be fair, when you go on Spotify, any of us can name drop these bands and no one else has heard of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't want to like, I'm not doing this on purpose. I'm just curious if you knew these guys. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, those all sound really good because I really like that kind of, um, you know, I like to pull it apart by horses. I like that indie inventive stoner rock, um, you know, anything that has like a progressive edge to it is definitely my jam, which is, you know, why I like Queens of the Stone Age so much. And, uh, cause they're stoner, they're metal, they're rock, they're progressive. Um, they're the total package. Queens has been been very big on being influential to a lot of these rock bands you know i mean it feels like as as time has gone on i feel like queens especially after like clockwork it felt like they got like a resurgence of attention yeah like it's almost like people kind of forgot they're a band um you know <laughs> rated r was good songs for the deaf was really good and then it seems like okay whatever who we don't really know who they are and then all of a sudden like clockwork comes out and everyone's talking about quotes so yeah, it's it's interesting. Oh, and then um, what was that? It's the one with the evil has landed. Uh, I was yeah, obsessed. Villains. villains. It was villains. Yeah, with the yeesh, with the satanic thing on it, with the eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't talk about that, but yes, I liked. <laughs> I did like evil has landed. I was obsessed with that track in twenty seventeen. Oh, such a good song. That's such a good song. <laughs> yeah, and that album hit pretty big. I was I was happy for them. At least I feel that it did. Oh, dude, time goes by so fast. I know. It's like it's already been like, what, almost five years since that record came out? It's been five years. I didn't like the lead single to that. I liked The Evil Has Landed, but I didn't like their other track that was that sounded a lot like um, the rockabilly Mm -hmm. strokes. I I mean, it wasn't my thing. If you liked it, cool. I I didn't like it. No, yeah, I didn't either. Um, And like at the time, I was pretty put off by it. I was like, some staff writers wrote this for you guys. You guys did not write this track. That's what it sounded like to me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's the least Queens of the Stone Age song they've ever put out. I think so. Yeah, and then I, I really enjoyed the rest of the record. And I think now I can listen to the record as a whole and still like have fun with that track. But it's okay. definitely kind of like a weird, a weird one for them. Yeah, that relative we don't talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, hmm, all right. But yeah, speaking of like indie bands that don't get enough attention, um, I've showed you them before, but Yes Mayhem. Yes, I was trying to remember the name of that band. You just mentioned it to me. Yeah, from North Carolina. They are like super indie. Um, they're only on Bandcamp. I don't think you can even find them on Spotify or Apple Music. But definitely recommend. So let's see, they started in 09. 
mm-hmm. and no, 10, I think it was 2010. And they have four records. They put one out in 2020 called Bandwagon, which was great. And yeah, they just have like punk influences, grunge influences, prog influences. It's hard to think of one band to compare them to, but the lead singer um, layers his vocals and like will sometimes do like 10 layers and it's just like really cool. They're just really fun. So I highly recommend that. Yeah, you've always been really good at recommending bands that have distorted guitar. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it because there are so many different subgenres we can touch on that. But yeah, you always showed me these really cool guitar fronted bands and I was like, okay, I've been missing out. Yeah, anything with a, a backbeat and a distorted guitar <laughs> is your thing. Yeah. So there is another band. I don't remember if we ever talked about it. Was um, Death from Above? I showed you them forever ago, right? Oh yeah, I think so. I, I forgot. Yeah. What was your take on them? Um, if you can remember, and I, I can't even remember honestly. It's okay. They did go by Death from Above, nineteen seventy nine, but shortened it to Death from Above. Okay. I, I don't know how long ago. Were they um, more punk metal or what were they? They were like a punk version of Royal Blood mm. where it okay. was a bass guitar fronted band. So distorted bass guitar and then like a drum for the backbeat. Okay, yeah. And Yes Mayhem is also very bass front because the front man, like the founder, not the singer, but like the founder and the songwriter is the bassist. Oh, I did. So that either I forgot or I didn't know entirely. Yeah, so he writes all the songs. And then the singer writes all the lyrics. So it's very bass forward. And like the bass lines are incredible. It's like some of the best bass lines I've ever heard. And the bass like leads the melody in a lot of the songs. Okay, off the show, you're going to have to recommend me some stuff to listen to because I'm always down for stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Sting, Paul McCartney. I mean, I love bass fronted bands. Yeah. Yeah. So you wanted to talk about Radiohead at one point too. Right. Yeah. um, (laughs) Surprisingly, we haven't talked about them for a while, but at the beginning, we used to talk about them all the time. So I guess we're going back to Radiohead. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I actually finally really got into them the last couple of years and, um, you know, listened to all of their albums several times each. And right now, I'm just kind of diving into Moonshape Pool because that was the one that I had kind of listened to the least, um, just because it's the most recent. And I'm really enjoying it. Daydreaming is like one of my favorite tracks in their whole like collection now. And this is hilarious. I just found this out today, but I didn't know Amok was a Tom York project. So Apple Music recommended it to me because I just listened to like the whatever it thinks I will like. And uh, I was like, wow, this band, is this Radiohead? And I looked at it and it was Amok. And I'm like, wow, these guys completely ripped off Radiohead. They're doing it really (laughs) well. Um, And then later I found out that it's the same producer, Nigel Godrich. And I'm like, oh, Okay, so the producer, like, oh, he must be a bigger part of Radiohead than I thought. And I've been listening to them like off and on for months, just like tracks here and there. And then today, I like open up their album and Apple Music is like, yeah, this is Tom York and Flea. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) I was going to say, because this guy, he sounds just like Tom York. He's doing a brilliant Tom York impression. Like, I don't know how he's pulling it off. (laughs) Anyway, they're great. I love Amok. It's like, it's really, it's like another Radiohead album almost. Parallel to which one would you say? Um, or most like which one? Yeah. Well, it's definitely... Um, <laughs> well, it came out in 2013. So it's definitely like 
post in rainbows. It's been around for a minute. Yeah. So it's, it definitely feels like a Tom York side project. Um, it feels more like his solo stuff than Radiohead. But um, so it, I would say it's like Anima, uh, which was like 2018, right? I remember Anima. Yeah. I never gave it so, a full listen, but I remember when it came out. Yeah. So it's very like King of Limbs. Okay. Yeah. So more like King of Limbs and like Moon Shape Pool or any of Radiohead's really recent efforts. Yeah, King of Limbs in particular, because I feel like Moon Shape Pool is kind of uh, its own thing in a sense where it's it's got a whole vibe. It's hard to put my finger on it, but it's very... Everything by Radiohead is hard to put your finger on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but to me, that that album is really the heart and soul of that album is the closer, True Love Waits. So I feel like that colors the whole album. It's just this very mournful record. Whereas King of Limbs is kind of like this quiet exploration. And I feel like Amok is like that. Okay, so it definitely takes its time. Yeah, it's not... There's nothing on the album that is like a single. There's nothing like that you would place on in Rainbows. <laughs> the way it should be. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of serious actually. but Okay, yeah. Yeah, you're you're very much an album guy. Yeah, I am an album guy. I wish every song didn't have to be a single, you know? I right. mean, ironically, when I write, I do write very melodically and I try to I like being catchy. It's super fun, you know? But Yeah. I guess when I'm listening to music, I really don't like a lot of single formatted tracks. Yeah. Now, I don't want it to just be completely absolutely boring, but I don't know. I just like enjoying the album. I don't really need every song to... Most of the times... And I think you and I kind of agree. We feel the same way about it. So we have mutual feeling here. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't typically gravitate toward the singles. No. Unless the band is really underground and indie where the singles are interesting. And even though Nirvana was a big band, I would liken singles being interesting to a band like Nirvana because even though Nirvana got big, there was a time when they weren't big. Right. And Nirvana pulled a lot from the underground alternative scene from the 80s. And so that was not as popular as Scorpions, White Snake, Van Halen. Right. And so they were pulling from a lot of slacker rock, you know, like... Husker Du, uh, who else? The Melvins. Like, who listened to those guys at the time? You know, because of Nirvana, a lot of those bands got a lot more attention. Hmm. And so, yes, technically Nirvana was a big band, but philosophically they were a much smaller band. Now, they did become more big in their sound as time went on, but I would, I mean, they left off at In Utero, and In Utero still sounds not that mainstream when you compare it to like other bands, bands that are more conventional, like, um, Smashing Pumpkins. Right. I would say Nirvana was probably the least radio-friendly of... Even... um, What's the band? Uh, Alice in Chains also kind of lack radio-friendliness. And I know, mm-hmm. I know Soundgarden do too because they really experiment with weird structure and experiment with really weird um, time signatures. But... Yeah. I mean, I guess for the most part, 90s rock was an anomaly. Yeah. It was. But I still think that Nirvana was still an anomaly to the 90s, in my opinion. I mean, everyone got big on it. It was popular. But I still feel like Nirvana was a band that shouldn't have gotten big. Yeah, no, you're right. They were the unintentional vanguard of that alternative sound. 
Yeah, they brought that out. Yeah, so that's my take on that, you know. But, you know, just opinions. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. And like 90s rock is my favorite. And it's maybe it's just because I'm a 90s kid and I'm a, a product of my time. That's probably part of it. But I don't know. Yeah, it's just very inventive. It it defined itself by ducking the trends of the 80s. And yeah, like even it's more popular bands, like you said, like Soundgarden and Nirvana are still to this day have a lot of not radio friendly stuff and are just violently inventive and intentionally obscure and obtuse, I think. Right. And yeah. even then we have bands like Modest Mouse and Dinosaur Jr. where you compare them to Nirvana and they're even weirder, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So it's just the 90s were a weird time. I think Radiohead, as weird as they were, it was because of singles like High and Dry. They still entertained a lot of stuff that Coldplay would later, you know, take for their own right. and then totally format things in a structured way, which interestingly, and everyone knows this, that Coldplay is actually a step ahead of Nirvana and my favorite bands, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I like their conventionalism. It's because just for some reason, I've really taken to the emotional tone of Chris Martin. Yeah. And I really like how I kind of like the repetition of Coldplay, their early stuff, because they knew how to stay in a mood and draw that mood out of you. Yeah. So even though I'm not a fan of modern Coldplay, and Mitch will fight me on that, and that's fine, but I do like Coldplay's structure. I liked it at a time. I didn't like the structure later, but I liked their early structure, even though it was like a total rip from U2 and Radiohead. Like There was something about it that was really aesthetically pleasing. And Love Him or Hate Him, which a lot of people hate him, a lot of people love them. So I, I like them for that. But I typically like bands that are just kind of, <laughs> they don't really fit in anywhere. And that's where Nirvana, I think, is attractive to me for that reason. So I don't know. Yeah. But Radiohead's great. They're, they're a great mix. I mean, I, I love I love the fact that they're into jazz. I think Radiohead's one of the best bands at being unorthodox and unconventional, but also being conventional whenever it suits them. I mean... I hated Karma Police for a long time. I I actually kind (laughs) of... No, I didn't like it. I really didn't like it. It was boring to me. But I I would rather, much rather Airbag. I love Airbag. But Karma Police, I would always skip that. But it was because of Alt-98.7 in LA. (laughs) Um, Listening to that track over and over, I really learned to appreciate it. And it's probably one of the best hit songs to learn guitar chords off of. (laughs) Okay. Because it's all cowboy chords. It's like all, you know, your classic traditional A minor and F major. So it's, Uh it is a masterpiece. And I appreciate Radiohead a lot more than I used to, but they used to be difficult for me to understand. Yeah. Well, and I don't really know like the chords and stuff, but it's interesting to hear. And I I know that like my brother, who's a, a classical pianist, he, he talks about theory all the time and it's always cool to know, like to learn, um, more about a song that way. And I think, yeah, Radiohead, um, I think there's a reason why they're the only modern band that has ever been compared to the Beatles. Because like the Beatles, they started off, you know, relatively conventional, but they they nailed it. They did the convention like perfectly and then they like took it up a notch and then they became definitive of that convention. And then they immediately turned around and bucked that trend and completely turned everything they did on their head. And then they did that again and again. Like the Beatles. Yeah, Radiohead, I 
I'll put it this way. I don't have so much of an emotional... And I'm very emotional, as you can tell. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an emotional <laughs> listener. So if I don't feel it, I don't feel it. Like if I don't, if I don't have a pull to you that is emotional, then you're not in my favorites. Because mm-hmm. I have that for the Smiths. I have that for the Strokes, the Killers, Interpol, um, for a lot of those bands. When, when it comes to Radiohead, emotionally, they're in my top 30. Mm-hmm. But logically, <laughs> I mean, Radiohead should be in everyone's top 10, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think I I agree with that. And I think I also primarily connect with my music emotionally. Like, I think that's also how I choose my favorites. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, aren't most... I mean, we pretty much pick our favorites by emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, for instance, you know, when someone says... Like, they knock a band, they're like, oh, well, that's not a very complex band. Like, well, one, what do you mean by complex? So define what you mean by that. Number two, it's not about complexity. It's about what you connect to. Or connect with. Yeah, because again, to come back to like Nirvana, you know, on paper, not musically complex at all. No, not really. But I think emotionally very complex. That's true. You're right. I I think we all do that. Mm -hmm. Which is why I feel like, you know, when someone has a so-called guilty pleasure, sure, I like to knock on a band or two. I used to do that a lot. I think I'm doing it a lot less as I get older. But, you know, it was kind of fun to like, like, remember when everyone was picking on you for listening to Justin Bieber? Was, yeah, yeah. I, I, not me personally. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but yeah. that, that was a thing. And I did when I was like a teenager. Um, when I was, I think I was a teenager when he was really big. I mean, he became big for a while. He's still pretty big, but you know, it was immature. It was stupid. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying <laughs> it was. I don't condone listening to Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I don't condone knocking on someone for listening oh, to him. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Because back then, like I said, I was being a total idiot. Like, okay, I'll knock on this person for listening to Justin Bieber. But as I yeah, got older, I know I made fun of. Yeah, I made fun of people for, <laughs> okay. for listening to Justin Bieber. I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. And don't get me wrong, I think his older music is cringy. But I really blame again. I blame the industry, and not so much him. Right. Yeah. I think they exploit these artists when they're young. And I have to say, I really liked Justin Bieber's older stuff. Now, I'm not really big on everything, but mm. let's just say I started to warm up to him toward 2014, 2015 with the, uh, was it What Do You Mean? Is that? I think it is What Do You Mean? Yeah. Well, anyway, that that's when I really got into him. And I liked his mature sound. I thought mm-hmm. it was better than when he was a kid. And I was able to, like, for the first time, respect him as an artist. And yeah, I mean, like I'm a total music elitist because I'm a snob. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I really don't care what someone listens to. Mm -hmm. I just want to be around people who know why they listen to what they listen to. I don't really want to be with... Like, I don't care if you listen to Nirvana. But if you listen to Nirvana just because you think it'll make you cool, to me, it's kind of repulsive. Right. I feel like, hey, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Yeah, and I think ironically, that's like the exact opposite of Kurt Cobain's vibe. Like he would, he would hate the idea of someone. I mean, not to speak for Kurt Cobain. That's just as cringe as sure. This is just speculation. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I get the vibe that he would hate someone listening to his music just because they thought it would make them cool. I don't know. I think he would too. <laughs> but I think also there are few human beings that have been spoken for more than. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> so I don't want to do that. So when it comes to liking something, it really is just a matter of emotion. Like, what do you connect with? What do you like? Whatever. Okay, cool. You like that? Great. If you don't like it, that's fine too. So 
I just try to, in practice, and not so much by my emotion, but my actual practicing of accepting that people are going to like different things. Because when I was younger, it was like, oh, you like this. Well, here's my opinion on it, whether it was good or bad. Yeah. But I actually do think that's a wrong way to looking at it now. You know, I don't look at things the same way I used to. Now it's more like, okay, well, I'm probably not big on this artist, but do you have a suggestion for me of that kind of artist? Right. Now, yeah, I am verbal about, I mean, (laughs) I guess this will be like, just so people can know who I don't like (laughs) so they can bother me with it or they can be angry that I don't like them. Um, Like I'm not big on Miley Cyrus. I'm not big on, um, and this is just as artists at least. You know, I mean, maybe they're completely different as people, but I'm not big on Britney Spears. I'm not big on Beyonce, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I heard Lemonade was a great record. Like, I, I know a little bit about a lot of these artists or Doja Cat. So I will be vocal about what I don't like, but I'm also open to hearing something from those artists that I might like. Yeah. What I don't like more than anything is an artist that is disingenuine. Hmm. That's what I don't like. Now, again, someone could be genuine, but also be in the wrong. So I'm not necessarily saying, I mean, would you enjoy an artist if they're genuine, but they're also like, (laughs) if they genuinely hated you, would you enjoy listening to a song where they genuinely hated you? I mean, I guess it's the best example I could think of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. (laughs) Is it really just genuineness? I mean, we don't always agree with someone's genuineness, but I think it is a factor. Right. Into what makes us like artists, at least for me. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I think that in general, like, people can kind of tell whether you're being genuine or not, even if they don't agree with you, and they will respect that genuineness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And, and I think bands like Radiohead, of course, I'm sure they have, you know, they're they're in the industry, you know, they've been a part of the mainstream sound. And so I'm not saying that everything Radiohead and bands like Radiohead, that it's always 100% genuine and never co-written with someone else who's just trying to get a piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying is, I think there is more of a general authentic uh, attitude from bands like Radiohead versus (laughs) Walk the Moon. (laughs) Yeah. I like old Walk the Moon, by the way, but I am kind of like knocking at their newer stuff or uh, bands like who was the other 1975. Uh, mm-hmm. Not my thing, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm, I'm glad that the conversation is going this way because I wanted to talk about some of those bands. But yeah, like again, like we said, Radiohead and Nirvana, we can never know anyone's true intentions, but they they smack of genuineness because they had you know, massive global popularity and they chose to like spit in the face of that uh, despite knowing that it could cost them sales or like maybe they got so big that they felt safe doing that. But like, for example, when um, like Kid A came out, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone was hoping for more like Karma Police, but it's like Radiohead is like, oh, you like these beautiful pop anthems? Yeah, we're never going to do that again, ever. Woman let you in on a secret? What? I still can't get into that record, but I respect it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's hard for me to get into too, honestly. Yeah. I'm just going to be one of the... I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to become an outcast by saying I still don't get it. Because everyone acclaims that as like the greatest album. 
of the 21st century. Like people really say that <laughs> about it, you know? I mean, I respect it, but I don't see it. But at the same token, because I know what Radiohead are capable of and I really respect them as artists. And I really like Radiohead's genuineness and we're going to do it the way we want to attitude. Yeah. In context, right? Because I think the attitude can be bad. But in context, I think what Radio have done is something that's a masterpiece in ways that even I'm probably not able to recognize. And I respect that a lot. Yeah, well, and 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 I appreciate that take. And like, yeah, I, I think I also have a similar take on it because like, yeah, Kid A has never been my favorite Radiohead record, not even close. But I respect that like they had the musical world in the palm of their hands and they chose to like say we're we're completely not going to do what you want us to do and you know it apparently caused friction even within the band because like the other band members were like oh what do we do it's just tom on his laptop now like <laughs> what's what kind of a band are we in right now so it created a rift in almost every other facet as well right so it wasn't just mm-hmm. i mean it's different for me because i was so young so I never got into that album when it came out, but maybe had I gotten into that album when it came out and had known of the band for at least like a few years, mm-hmm. I probably would have felt the same way. Yeah. I will say like um, the one track that stands out to me from Kid A and Amnesia, or is it Amnesiac? I forget. Um, I think it's Amnesiac. Yeah. But then the re-release they just came out with was Kid Amnesia, I think. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, is pyramid song like that is, uh, maybe that's like very cliche, but <laughs> I love pyramid song. You're fine, dude. <laughs> like that, that to me, that makes that whole album worth the price of admission alone. I know you're going to have more to talk about Radiohead in the future. I guess we can save that for another episode. You down for that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I think this is a good introduction to you. You know, you're going to be here on the show more regularly. And it's really an honor to have you on here. You've always been one of the most musically intelligent, actually just intelligent people, period. So anyone who gets to know you knows that about you. You are an absolute value to the people listening. They don't know it yet, but you are. And again, you know, really appreciate just your philosophical take on everything. (laughs) It's just, it's so refreshing, dude. So thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. Well, um, it's an honor to be here. And I've always highly respected your opinions on music and um, your skill as a musician yourself. And so I'm just really happy to be here. And yeah, for everyone listening, I'm going to plug Yes Mayhem one more time. Seriously, one of the most underrated rock bands of the 2010s. So please check them out. Yes to Yes Mayhem. So check them out. Also check out Lily, Three Eyes, as well as Cleo Patrick. That's C-L-E-O, Cleo like Cleopatra, so Patrick. So um, yeah, that's it. So Garrison, thanks for being here. We'll have you again. And yes, we'll see you guys all next week. And thanks for tuning in Work Tape.